I want to talk to you about five simple things on how to stay young. You've been around people that were old before their time. Now, I'm not talking about physiological age here, okay? I'm not. I'm talking about something that is inside, something that shines out through the old eyes and comes out the smile in spite of the face that looks like a topographical map. That topographical map at one time didn't have a wrinkle on it. It was beautiful. And uh, I'm talking about something that can kind of that you can you can kill that you don't have to. And there's no need to. And you can stay young. I wanna I'm gonna read quite a bit of scripture. This is not my normal habit, you that are new with me. Um, that's not my normal habit, but scripture, scripture is good. I, I got to do this scripture to get the setting to do the application of the five simple steps on how to say young. So bear with me because I'm going to go quickly on this because no doubt the vast majority in this room know this passage well. It uh, starts out in the book of Numbers, the Pentateuch. We'll go to the book of Joshua. And I'm going to read, starting in chapter 13, verse 26, down all, all the way, let's see, down into chapter 14 even. So Numbers 13, 26, we'll start. We're talking about the 12 spies that were sent into the land. After about a year, a year out or so of Egypt, God brought the people to the promised land that he'd been talking to them about. He talked to them about it while they were in Egypt as slaves and said, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to give you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Somehow they interpreted that as a land of no resistance. And I think when, they, when he said, I'll give you, I think they interpreted that giving meaning without trouble. Giving without any work on their part. But that really was not the deal. That was not God. God when God gives you something, he gives you the thrill of winning it. You know, he don't take away the thrill of winning. So we start out in verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So the 12 spies, now these guys were, these guys were good guys. These guys were heads of tribes. You don't get to be a head of a tribe without some showing of personal gifts, responsibility, able to take responsibility, make good decisions. So these were not bad guys. These were good guys that, that had shown themselves to be that. And they went in and spied the land out and brought the fruit of it back to the congregation. And they t in verse 27, and they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, in verse 28, the people will uh, be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. These were people of about 13 feet high, 13 foot tall. They were shackle kneel. 
They weren't small, skinny people. They were big, solid, 13-foot-tall folks, probably weighing 450, 425 pounds, muscly. These people were trained in war from their youth. And we know that about them from other places of Scripture. And the Amalekites dwell in the land south, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, mountains, Canaanites, and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, let's go to verse 30 there, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now this man was 40 years old. Verse 31, But the men that went up, with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Now we have two groups of people defined so far. We got a bridge builder. That's Caleb. Caleb says we got problems, but we can build a bridge over it and we can beat it. Then you got another group called wall builders. That's not this sermon, by the way, but it is. it was one I did before. A wall builder. That's a group of people, by the way, a kind of people. Those are, we call them obstructionists, obstructionists. People who spend a lot of their effort trying to figure out why things won't work. Have you been around them? You may be one. Don't be. You say, but I thought you'd want to know why it won't work. Everybody can figure out pretty easily why things tend not to work. It's figuring out how you're going to overcome that's where you want to spend your time, brother. That's bridge building, right? So Caleb was a bridge builder. But the men that went up with him said, uh, we be not able. They, they're, they're throwing a bunch of negativity on them. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched the children of Israel, saying the land through which we have gone to search in is a land to eat it up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which, came to, which come of the giants. And they were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. We were just little itty-bitty people. In chapter 14, verse 1, skipping down to 14, 1, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. They had been slaves. Two, two and a half million of these people had been slaves under the ruthless hand of taskmasters, not able to own anything, not able to own land or have any possession other than what they were allowed to have to survive and build and serve the Egyptians. God comes through Moses and through the greatest uh, miracles ever recorded in history, anywhere, anytime, any place. He tends great plagues. He brings them out. He, he literally stomps the Egyptians into the ground. They see their dead bodies laying up on the shore, the greatest army in the world. He has conquered them, and they haven't lifted so much as a finger to do it. Now, brother, if anybody or any group was going to believe that there was a God, it would have been that group of people. I mean, people today say, if God would do something uh, great and miraculous, I'd believe him. You wouldn't believe the one were even raised from the dead. Luke chapter 16. If you don't believe the Bible. That's what, that's what the Bible says of itself. What Jesus said, you don't believe the Bible. You wouldn't believe if, you're, if, if your neighbor which died last year showed back up at the house. You'd figure out something was happening or he had a swoon or there was a fake. How about this? Fake news. Yeah. 
And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and, and against Aaron, always do. Wall builders always begin to attack their leadership. And the whole congregation said, would God that we had died in the, in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Be careful, God will give you what you want. And wherefore the Lord brought us uh, unto this land to fall by the sword, and, and that our wives and our children should be a prey were it not better for us that we would return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain, let us return unto Egypt. Now, I don't know how to insult God any more than that. You just basically slap God in the face. What was the reaction of Moses and Aaron? It's in verse 5 of chapter 14. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the two positive spies, the two po of, the, of the ten, two said positive report, and ten were negative, rent their clothes. Verse 7, chapter 14, they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search us, it's an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, and he will bring us into this land and will give it us, a land with full of milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear yea, the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Let's impeach them. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Now I'm going to fast forward yet, 45 years down the road. Caleb, he's 40 years old when this all takes place. A 40-year-old is pretty strong, normally a pretty strong time of life, 40-year-old. They haven't gone over the cliff yet. Um, but you don't see too many world heavyweight champions 40 years old, do you? Oh, that's how they're all washed up. You don't see too many quarterbacks 40 years old because they're about all washed up by that time. So maybe 40 isn't so good. Maybe it's 33. Maybe that's it. But anyway, in Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 through 15, let me give you a quick reading. Um, Caleb basically comes after they conquer the land. They go in under uh, with Joshua. Joshua and Caleb go in. Take five years to conquer the land. They conquer the land. It's time to distribute the land up. They begin to distribute the land up. And we'll pick it up in chapter 14, verse 7. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought him word again. And it was in mine heart, as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God, and Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and the children's forever. Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, whew, and now I am this day four score, that's 85 years old. And as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain. Been a lot of preaching around that statement. That's not today, but 
Give me this mountain. It's a good sermon. Give me this mountain. Wherefore the Lord spake in that day, for thou, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there and that cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Okay, now you know the story. Now let me talk to you about how to stay some things I see in this that help us and maybe help you and help me. I know I've learned it to try to stay young of heart, young of spirit. You realize, and this is not one of our points, but you realize that I'm I'm, I'm 69 years old. I'm as young today as I was when I was 20 because I'm an, I'm an eternal being. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Bill Lytell, which you cannot see, by the way, this is not Bill Lytell. But Bill Lytell is never going to die. Why? Because he believed in Jesus as his personal Savior. He believed that Jesus died, was buried, and the third day rose again and, died, and, and indeed came to die for his sins. He, by simple childlike faith, repented and trusted Jesus as his Savior. And God sealed him with the Holy Ghost, put his name in the Lamb's Book of Life, birthed him from above. He'll never die. The body and tabernacle which he's walked around in, which hasn't been all that good, by the way, and it's fraught with trouble, has brought him this far, but cannot sustain him only so long, and then he gets to be free. So it should not be hard for a born-again believer to stay young. I understand unsaved people struggle with all this, but not, not us, surely not us. You're as young as young, man, because you're never going to die as a born-again believer. You're going to die physically, but you never die spiritually. That's just a caveat. That is not point one. Here's point one. Never give up your youth in place of your adulthood. I heard this somewhere before, and I liked it. Never give up your youth in place of your adulthood. Never give up your adolescence when you become a young adult. Never give up your young adulthood when you become middle-aged. Never give up your middle-aged time of life when you get in your latter years or old age or whatever you want to call it. Just add the experience you're going into to what you've already had. Everybody in here, how many in here at one time were teenagers? If you don't raise your hand, I'm worried about you. That old boy in the back, in the penalty box back there, 95 years old. Why is he in the penalty box? Because he doesn't behave, that's why. 95-year-old man back in the penalty box. He was a teenager one time. I, I'm not sure I'd have wanted to know you as a teenager. Can you hear me, Bobby? I knew him when he was in his late 60s, maybe early 70s, and he was a firestorm. I vacationed with that man for a while. 
diving. Four in the morning, he's up getting the tanks ready, getting food prepared, getting the numbers, tickle stick net and goodie bags ready. We're going down and catch some lobster. Unbelievable. Doing the laundry, doing the dishes, cleaning the house. I mean, you can't, you can't do anything. With Bob in the house, he almost can't do anything. He takes over. He's in his 70s. What, what did she say? But Bob's still young at heart. He's somehow learned to stay young. He's young. Trust me, I've been with him, spent many hours with him. He's young. He's got a twinkle in his eyes still. He still tells stories about his wife that his wife don't want him to tell. Many people get in their 20s, they feel like they got to act like an adult. they got to act a certain way. Troubles enter into a person's lives, and they will, and heartaches come, and they will. Some people allow those things to make them over-serious, stoic. Look, hard things happen, but it doesn't have to steal your youth. Doesn't have to steal your optimism. If it does, you gave it up. I preach a sermon called No Man Can Take Your Joy. No, nobody takes your joy. You give it away. You're going down the road, you're happy. Some 95 year old shouldn't have a driver's license cut you off and goes from the left lane all the way to the fourth lane over here. And 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 you voluntarily give your joy up to that person. Don't even know them. They can't hear a thing you're saying. How about this one? They're over in the right lane. They do a U-turn all the way across three lanes over to the other. I've seen it right in front of my eye, very naked eyes. I'm not going to let them have my joy. I'm going to keep my joy, brother. In the same way you keep your youth, you decide to keep your youth. I'm not going to give my youth up. Not everything about youth is attractive. There's stupid stuff about youth, right? That, give that up. But don't give up the twinkle. Peer pressure oftentimes makes people grow unnaturally sober and grave because when you're old, you're supposed to act real serious and somber. They'll tell you, act your age. I've been told that. Do you believe that? <laughs> act your age. I said, I am. Peer pressure. They want to stop you from being expressive or jovial. I think of the story in 2 Samuel chapter 6 of David, Uzzah. He wanted to bring the ark in. This was later in David's life, by the way. He'd conquered many things. God had been over with him. He'd been king a while. And uh, he wanted to bring the ark of God back in Jerusalem. He didn't do it the right way. He, he, he really didn't. He didn't have the Levites do it. They weren't sanctified. There's a lot of reasons. He made a lot of mistakes. He did. He got a guy, Uzzah, on a cart. You know, bringing the ark of God, hit a bump, thing was going to fall, Uzzah reaches out, dies, God strikes him dead right there. Well, that spoils the party. And so they stop right there, they give the cart to the person that owns the land, they say, the, the, excuse me, the ark of the covenant, they say, you keep it. 
And David's upset. He's upset about that. Well, later on, he sees that guy being prospered, prospered, prospered. And he says, ooh, God's prospering that guy. I said, I'll bring a card in. So he finds out how to do it right. He gets the Levites to sanctify themselves, and they do the poles, and they do everything they're supposed to do right, and they bring the ark of God into Jerusalem. This is a big day. This is bringing the ark of God, the symbol of the very presence of God into Jerusalem. And you know what happened? And let's pick it up in verse 14, 2 Samuel. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up. The ark of the Lord was shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. It was a festival. It was a parade. And, the ark, and as the ark of God came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. She was old. She was old and grumpy. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, Oh, I got in my notes here, critical people can't wait to tell you. And she says, I can't say it like she said it. Maybe I have my daughter-in-law say it. She may be able to. No. How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself in the day, today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. She was old. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord which... It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father... And before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, will I play before the Lord. And then verse 22, you want to highlight in your Bible. And I will yet be more vile than this. And of course, you know that's a play on words. And will be base in mine own sight. And one of the maidservants, as one, and, and, one, and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. She said, they're going to despise you. He said, no, they're not going to despise me. They're going to hold me up in honor. Why? Because he that humbles himself will be exalted. And he that exalted himself will be humble or abased, as the Bible said. I think of Caleb. I like what he said. I'm as strong today as I was in the day of Moses. As my strength was even so, the strength is now for war, both going and out. Now, I don't think, I'm just, this is not the Bible. But personally, I don't think he was as good at 85 as he was at 40 but he thought he was. And thinking you are will make you a whole lot better than not thinking you are. 
So that lends us to the second point. The first point is don't kill adolescence. Don't kill young adulthood. Don't kill middle age. Don't kill when you gain, go to another plateau in your life. Don't kill what's before it. Keep it. Add to it. The second thing you need to do is be optimistic. A bridge builder. The one guess, you know, as you get older, pain increases, sorrow increases, disappointment increases. And what happens to some people is they become cynical. I have prayed and still pray, God in heaven, keep me from being cynical. Keep the trumpet. <laughs> you know, when you're hard of hearing, I don't know how. To... If that's a woman's phone, it'll continue to go on for about five minutes as she hunts for it. Or if it's a hard of hearing people's phone, they don't even know what's going off. That's my phone. Because my phone will be ringing. My wife said, do you know your phone's ringing, don't you? And I'll go, it is? Don't laugh. You're going to have it come your way. Okay. Cynicism. Attitude of everybody's in it for some selfish motivation. It's a total negativity. It just washes over everything. Everything. Nothing's good. They're in it. Something in it for their. I hate to hear people talk our, about our government that way. We still have good, solid people in our government. We got DeSantis. We got his crew. We got our local government. We got many people up in Washington that still want to do right, like Paul Rand and Rand Paul or whatever his name is. Some other people. Oh, the whole thing's shot. Now quit it. You're getting old. I know when Kennedy got elected, John Kennedy, that is, my mom and dad thought the world was come to an end. I mean, my mom especially cried and cried and cried, said, we are ruined, we are destroyed. He'll have the Pope come over here, set up shop. He'll... he'll They'll start persecuting the Protestants again, just like in the 16th century. They'll put us on the rack. They'll stretch us. They'll kill us because the Catholic Church is so intolerant when they get in power. Historically, that was all true, by the way. And I'm just, I'm 10 years old. That was 1960, I believe. I'm thinking, oh, no. Life is over as I know it. Some of you 10-year-olds in this room probably think after hearing us talk, Oh, life is over as we know it. Quit it! Ninety-five percent of what you think will happen wrong almost never happens. Quit being cynical. Young people typically are not cynical. Youth is typically not cynical. Cynicism comes from a, a, a accumulation of past failures that flood the mind. And people become skeptical of everything. You're getting old. You got problems? Yes. You got giants in front of you? Yes. You got hardships? Yes. You got sufferings ahead of you? Yes. But the youth inside of me says, push it aside and move forward. Give me this mountain. 
I may say like Caleb, I'm as strong as 69 as I was at 40. <laughs> the third thing I want you to notice is not only add to your youth, add every age of your life onto the other one, don't kill any of them. Secondly, be optimistic. I don't can't spend more time on it. Thirdly, is a warning. Don't be enamored by youth. I see old guys trying to dress young. It's hideous. I see old guys trying to dress young. You don't see me up here wearing the clothes of Chris Barrows. I'd be ashamed. Them old tight-legged pants, that old little skinny leg there. I don't want you to see that. You know, they wear all them young people, they wear all that tight stuff and, and form fit and stuff. The older you get, the looser your clothes need to get. Now, you know that's true. I'm telling you, my wife, when she dressed sometimes, would say, no, throw it away, get rid of it. You need to get looser stuff. <laughs> looser, longer, wavier, more air. You do not want to let them see your profile. It's just, it's being honest about it. I am not spending my time yearning to be young again. Now, you, know, you know what I'm trying to say by that? I don't want to ruin my 60s by wanting to be 50. I was 50. I was 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59. I did it. I've been there. I don't get a second shot on it. It was good. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, I think the best time of your life, I'm saying this, just, this is not Bible, but I'm saying the best time of your life is 50 to 70. After 70, phew. But 50 to 70. You folks need to laugh. You need to laugh, really you do. What you got to look at all week long? I'm, I'm talking about the news. But I know this for a fact. The highest income producing time of your life, 50 to 70. The, the greatest time of personal wisdom, 50 to 70. After 70, I'm not going to talk about it. We need to get off this worshiping youth thing, and youth is the most vulnerable time of life, the most ignorant time of life, the most poor time of life, and the most sinful time of life. I mean, I'm, Bill Lytell never wants to be 18 again. I was 18. I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. God gives you that time. I lived it. By the grace of God, what happened, happened. I did what I did. I said what I said. I've been. I can't change a thing about it. By the grace of God, we go on from there. We add every age to the one before. But I'm not going to spend my age that I'm in now being always wanting to be over there. Right? But here's the statement again. Be where you're at. Some of you moved down to Florida. And then I hear, oh, it was better up north. Everything was better up north. Hospitals are better up north. The weather's horrible, you know that. 
Better up, Noah. Look, you're here. Love it here. And then when you go up there, love it there. There's beautiful things about the north. But when you're up north, love the north. When you're in the south, love the south. When you're in the west, love the west. When you're in the east, love the east. Be where you're at. No, I always longing to be somewhere else or to have something different. You realize that's dissatisfaction. And as Mick Jagger said, it ain't no way to live. The fourth thing. Get a purpose. I could say don't retire, but I can't. That'd be like three quarters of these folks. If I was in a 20-something, 30-something group, I'd say don't retire. But I, I understand the retiring from your job. I get it. They don't want you anymore. They want the young guy who wants your job anyway. But that don't mean you lose your purpose. Don't lose your purpose for living. Get in a local church, go crazy. You know, ride, do this, do that. You got all kinds of functions. Your community, help your community, help people around you. Do something, be functional, have a purpose. Don't lose your purpose, otherwise you won't want to get up in the morning. I, okay, you retired your job, you were a big shot, you had 150 people under you, everybody was saying yes sir, no sir. Okay, you quit all that, you come down here, your wife don't even respect you hardly. Nobody says yes sir, no sir, nobody asks your opinion, nobody calls you anymore. Look at your phone, nothing. Look at your phone, nothing. Look at your phone, nothing. When you, were, when you were working, you couldn't get a minute. You were hoping nobody texted you. I've seen it over and over and over again. But some people say, I'm going to get busy. I'm going to go door to door. I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be part of the work of God. I'm going to be a soul winner. You can end. There's no age. You, don't, you can be a, ooh. The older you get, better soul winner you can be until you lose your mind. Hey, there comes a time when, when your wife tells you it's over, you got to listen to her. The fifth thing, and I quit here before you throw me out. Oh, you're going to love this last point. Stay physically fit. Oh, you didn't think that's Bible, did you? For bodily exercise profiteth little. It didn't say nothing. I think you should keep yourself fit. I think a real mistake you made as you, as, you, as you want to keep young, part of being young is being fit. Amen? Part of being young. Listen, you gained 100 pounds, lose it. You say, but Bill, it's so hard. Quit whining and start losing it. Listen, if you gained 100 pounds, I'll guarantee you, you can lose that 100 pounds. You just can't drink milkshakes and you can't drink sugar all the time and you can't just eat everything that visibly is in front of you. You got to cut back. Yeah, but it's my only pleasure I have. You'll, you'll be a lot happier when you get in shape. You'll get up with more energy in the morning. You'll, you'll be able to do more. You'll think clearer. You'll be happy. I've seen too many people through the years. They were overweight or they were out of shape. They began to jog a little bit or do a little work. They began, they got in shape. And later on, you see them, they say, it's the best I've ever felt in my life. Best I've ever felt in my life. Best I've ever felt in my life. Right, Doc? Yeah, he's right there. Best I've ever felt in my life. Tom Gillespie, jog. You still jog? 
Tom, how old are you now? 72? 74 years old. You'd, find, you'd be hard-pressed to find a 74-year-old in this group better shaped than Tom Gillespie. But, he, but he, he's also one of the happiest people you'll be around. Not the happiest, but he's one of the happiest. Part of it is balanced life. What I'm talking about, a balanced life, right? If you get out, you know when you get out of shape, you hate yourself. You know that. People tell me, don't they know they're big? They look in the mirror every day, man. They know it. They know they're out of control. The ninth fruit of the Spirit's being in control. It's temperance. Of course, physical plays into the spiritual. My body affects my spirit. My spirit affects my body. They're entwined with each other. Now, I think we go to heaven. We don't have to worry about that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But you want to stay young? Part of it is being fit. Being fit. Never give up your youth. Always add your next level of life to the other one before it. Be optimistic. Don't get too enamored with you. Don't live in another time. Be where you're at. Get a purpose and keep physically fit, at least reasonable. Now, I think it's reasonable for an old person to be 30 pounds overweight. Because when you go to the hospital, you're going to need it. Because they're going to starve you down. But if you're 30, 40 pounds overweight, eh, you know, you're probably going to use it. I'm not talking about being crazy. But my goodness, 150 pounds, 125 pounds, diabetes, high blood pressure, my, oh my, there's all kinds of other troubles come upon you. And you don't want them, Amen. They'll cut your toes off, cut your feet off, cut your... And, and, and I've seen all of it, been in the hospital visiting people that had that stuff all happen. And I'm thinking, you did this to yourself. You don't want that to happen. Now, I'm up here telling you that because I love you. I believe you can have a spirit of youth even at 95 years old. Father, help us... May allow some of this wisdom to come where it needs to go, to go to the people it needs to go to. I pray, God, that we would be examples of those un, under us or younger than us, if I may say it that way, of growing old. This is the way you want to grow old. Father, help us to uh, lead people, not to push them. Father, to be an example under believers. That's what the Bible says, to be an example. Go ahead of them. Show them. Not nag them, not push them, not rail on them, but lead them. Father, we just pray that you'd help us to end well in this life. That however and whenever that ending of this physical life then and convert to the, the life of spiritual life, may Lord God you help us in that moment. There may be some here without Jesus, there's personal Savior you never know. You do not know what it is to have your sins. You can't pillow your head and know that your sins are forgiven at night. You can know that. God will come to you and show you. Why don't you trust him as your personal Savior? Why don't you ask Jesus? Why don't you at least investigate it? Father, help them. Help, help born-again believers to have a balanced life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, 
or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.